Born in Essex, England, October 24th, 1923, she would eventually settle in New York, New York, which, as we know, is a place that was so good that they named it twice. Denise Levratov went on to become an award-winning poet. She composed more than 20 volumes of poetry and, for a time, actually taught at Stanford University. She passed away in uh, December from blood cancer at the age of 74 years ago, um, but May 16th is considered Denise Levratov Day in Seattle, Washington. I want you to listen to um, a poem of hers that's entitled Adam's Complaint. Some people, no matter what you give them, still want the moon, the bread, the salt, white meat and dark, still hungry, the marriage bed and the cradle, still empty arms. You give them land, their own earth under their feet, still they take to the roads and water dig them the deepest well still it's not deep enough to drink the moon from i think that's a great poem from levratov it's one of my favorite um and it, it really leads me to this notion that without knowing you whoever is listening to this this podcast without knowing you personally without knowing who is out there there's one thing in light of this poem that i can guarantee that i know about you and it's this you want the moon. You want the moon. And, and I know that you want the moon because I know I want the moon. Uh, and even more than that, we who are Christians, uh, we can at times think of God as being obligated to give us this moon. And whatever it may be, it could be the stars, it could be the sun, uh, whatever kind of thing on this earth that we would think is going to be most fulfilling, we we expect that God is going to give it to us, and, and, and when he doesn't, we, we have issues with God. We want what we want, when we want it. We demand it from God, and when it doesn't happen, uh, we, we feel like God has let us down. And, and really, I think Levertov's poem is getting at this notion that humanity has a significant problem with ever being satisfied. I mean, you see that in the Garden of, of, uh, of Eden uh, with Adam and Eve, and their inability to accept all of the goodness that God had given them and to uh, restrain themselves from the, the one thing that he told them to stay away from. Um, and so I just want to set the stage a little bit with this poem and, and maybe offer this caveat before I dive into uh, what I want to re really get to today. Uh, and it's just the caveat is just that, you know, if, if as I talk about this topic, it doesn't really seem to connect to you. You feel like, hey, I mean, that's just not my story. That's not where I struggle. Then, then, hey, that's awesome. You know, uh, no, no shame in that. Uh, but I, but I do think that there are a lot of people, many people, especially in the Western world, that are Christians that that struggle substantively with this issue. It might not be something that they they recognize at first glance, but I think it's it's a a cancer, if you will, that actually is pervasive um, in, in sometimes very subtle ways in, in the, the kinds of thinking and, and living that we have, uh, again, here, particularly in the Western world, that the issue that I want to talk about is the prosperity gospel. You could say it with me, the prosperity gospel. Elsewhere, as you read literature and books and whatnot, you, you can also uh, see references to it being called the health and wealth gospel. But all it is 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 a theological construct 
or framework that says God is somehow supposed to bless Christians always in very palpable and concrete, visible terms. So the, the brass tacks of that means that you're always going to be healed and your bank account is always going to be full and your relationships are always going to be groovy. In, in this, this way of thinking, God is, is duty bound because he is God to keep you free from hardship. He's supposed to uh, buffer calamity at, at all uh, um, junctures. He's, he's supposed to make sure that, that you never uh, suffer from material lack in your life. Essentially, the, the, the ideology goes that, that God prospers you, but he only does this if you do your part, if you tithe, if you go to church, if you read your Bible, if, 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 and so on and so forth, ad infinitum. You have to do, if I'm just honest, some really wild and wacky biblical gymnastics to arrive at such a conclusion. But arrive there, people do, and they've been doing it for a long time. While social distancing or, or physical distancing, distancing, whatever you want to call it, uh, if, if you are engaged in that, which I hope that you are, if you have some more time on your hands and want to dig into uh, this issue of the prosperity gospel more you know, significantly than I can cover here, um, I'd, I'd suggest that you check out Michael Horton's book, uh, Christless Christianity. There's also a, a book by uh, Stephanie Mitchum that's called Name It and Claim It, and one of the, I would say, maybe best books that's been out in recent years on the topic is by Kate Bowler, who uh, teaches at Duke Divinity School, and her book is titled Blessed, A History of the American Prosperity Gospel. The prosperity gospel, again, to be frank, is, is not the gospel. Did y'all hear me? I'll just go ahead and repeat it again since we uh, are, are listening to each other. Uh, the prosperity gospel is not the gospel, yet it has a far reach, and it has impacted every part of the world, every tribe, tongue and nation of Christians is impacted by this, this sort of false notion that God is there to serve you rather than you being there to, to serve God. You can be more Lutheran than Luther. You can be more Wesleyan than John Wesley. You can be a tried and true Baptist. You can be an Anglican who is faithful with a charismatic leaning. You can be as frozen and chosen as you want to be. And still, this distortion has a a probable presence within whatever theological waters you swim in. And so part of why I'm, I'm hitting on this right now is that at times of misfortune or pain, during episodes of loss, uh, we, we really see what we believe rising to the surface. Whatever is in you is what comes out. And, th and this is the same idea, actually, that, that Jesus spoke of in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, when he said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If a long-distance runner all of a sudden needed to run a long distance for some, some arbitrary reason, there was an emergency and they, just, they, they need to run a long distance, they, they probably could do that, and they probably could do that well. Why? Well, simply because of the ongoing training that they had subjected themselves to. If, if someone has never worked on developing patience, for example, then it, it shouldn't be surprising when they display hot-headed antics because they can only give people what they have, and what they have 
is unaddressed impatience. So when the right buttons are pushed, that, that's what is evidence. That's what comes out of them, what is in them or, or lack thereof of what is in them. My point is just this. Uh, faith is a gift as well as a muscle. And as we all well know, muscles must be exercised. They have to be stretched and strained in order to help sustain us in our ability to use those muscles well. Clearly, without a shadow of a doubt, God does the heavy lifting in our lives and our, our righteousness, whatever it may be, is like filthy rags. But we do have a role to play in this walk of faith. We are stewards or caretakers, you could say, of the great gift of salvation that uh, we have derived by grace through faith in Christ alone. Now, in light of, of how some Christians, let me just go ahead and underline and bold and italicize that, uh, in light of how some Christians are responding to COVID-19, I think, I think this has really peeled back a few layers of a spiritual onion to reveal the prosperity gospel and its prevalence. It's uh, maybe passive in presentation, but still very prevalent. No matter if poverty or riches, uh, whether erudite complexity or blue collar comfort or something altogether in between happens to mark your experiences in life. It's it's easy for all of us to uh, walk by sight and not by faith. And it's very easy, whether you ever dare to vocalize the words functionally for you to expect that God has promised you a life of which you will find no evidence in the Bible. It's, it's easy to begin thinking and trick yourself into believing because of this, this uh, stinking thinking, if you will, that God has somehow said in Scripture that he's going to keep you free from all hurt, harm, or danger. The thing is, you'll never find that in Scripture. So ultimately, we begin holding God to a standard that we, the created, have made for him, the creator, as if that's like ever going to end well. This reminds me of, of God's rebuke of a man that Scripture describes as blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. In Job chapter 38, uh, starting at verse 4, God asks Job a series of questions really just to make a point, and he makes it quite well as God does. He can do everything uh, uh, but fail, and, and he, he really... Uh, shines through in this moment. He's just asked Job riddles off a bunch of questions. And so I want to, I want to read through those questions. I'm going to be reading for a little bit. Just, I want to go probably till verse 41, but, but here the questions that, that God asked Job again, he, he knows the answer, but this is, this is what he, he asks him. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me <laughs> if you understand who marked off its dimensions Surely you, you know who stretched a measuring line across it. On what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it? And set its doors and bars in place. When I said, this far you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever 
verse 12, given orders, Job, to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it. The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their appraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the darkest, deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? And how does darkness reside? I mean, can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know. You were already born. You, you have lived so many years. Have you, while we're on the subject, entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or where the the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrent of rain and the path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no one lives, an uninhabited desert, to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass? Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters became hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Verse 34, can you raise your voice to the clouds, Job, and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Who gives the ibis wisdom or gives the rooster understanding who has the wisdom to count the clouds who can tip over the waters jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in a thicket who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is an apologetics organization that I just want to highlight quickly. It's called the Jude 3 Project, and you can find them online at jude3project.org. Org. The founder, Lisa Fields, has said this, 
quote, God never promises us a life absent of pain, but he does promise a life that will never have an absence of his presence, end quote. Now, of course, we would love to never experience inconvenience, to have to never scramble to make something out of nothing. None of us, of course, want to face cancer, infertility, car accidents. We would prefer, for sure, that financial instability and strife, wars and rumors of wars and viruses would pass us by. But this is far from the reality of life that we are living in in a broken world, a, a world that is marred by sin of which we are its carriers. And this is why the good news is so good. God is nobody's genie in a celestial bottle. He does not come at our beck and call to do whatsoever we desire. He himself is the manna that we don't deserve, but we are lovingly given. God himself is the reconciler. He heals broken hearts, yes, and body parts, both on this and the other side of heaven. He protects us, yes, and cares for us. He provides for us, but he does not keep everything harmful at bay all of the time. If he did, dare I say, we would feel much less of a hunger for his leadership to be in his safe arms. In the introduction to the classic novel, The Diary of a Country Priest, uh, Remy Rougeau offers a remarkable consideration, and I quote, Saints have a difficult position in society, not because they suffer. We all suffer. They, however, are ambassadors of truth in a world of illusion. Our world is more of an illusion than ever, a, narco a narcotic upon senses and judgment, end quote. So I just want to be clear for everybody to understand that there is no suffering Olympics. Like Christianity is, is not a competition ab about who can suffer the most hardship. But the reality is this. Life is arduous and erratic at times and, not but, but and God is good, God is loving, and God is in control. I guess part of my question for you maybe today is, do you believe that? I hope that, you know, maybe what I've shared can be sobering and encouraging for you. But, but as I come to a close, I'll offer just a few ways that you might consider uh, strengthening yourself in the days ahead as we all are adjusting to what very well may be a new normal for, for a little while. Um, one thing that I would, would suggest is this, um, that the fruit of our lives as Christians results in more than just words. So all I'm saying is that, uh, you know, we, we come to faith by a profession, by, by saying with our mouth, uh, believing in our heart that, that God uh, raised his son, his only son, Jesus, from the dead. Um, so, so words are important, but, but words in Christ lead us to action. So there has to be, you know, this balance. Uh, faith without works is dead. Um, Action is important. What we choose to do and what we choose not to do, what we choose to say and what we choose not to say, uh, essentially how we live. So, so while I, I know that serving in physical close proximity as we're accustomed to is not feasible at the moment given social 
distancing or physical distancing, however you, you, you chop it up, um, still my encouragement is that you would find ways to take care of those in your sphere of influence. So, you know, you can do things like make a funny video to send to your friends. You could, you could call um, your parent or grandparent. You could call your aunt or uncle and, and just brighten their day. You could pray with someone over Zoom. You could, you know, I know all this, uh, what's it, TikTok stuff is going on. I mean, make a TikTok, again, I'm not, I'm not about to make the video, but, you know, make, a, make a, a dance video with some friends and share it. You can write a thoughtful email to a, like a, like thoughtful, let me, let me stress that, thoughtful, not like an email that says, oh, you mean so much, and then you just write your name. <laughs> That's actually not thoughtful. So, um, but I, what I mean is that you put some time and effort into really reflecting on someone in your life, maybe a mentor, um, somebody who's played a role in discipling you, and you, you write an email to them just expressing how much, you know, you, they, they mean to you and how much you're, you're glad that they're in your life. Um, participate in a push-up challenge. You know, my, my point is, is simple. Just try to get in a regular habit of thinking outside of yourself about everything that you're stressed out about, about every concern that you have, about every hurt habit or hang-up that is on your plate. Uh, try to get into a habit of posturing yourself to, to care about other people and to care in such ways that you take action about what you, what you care about. Another thing that, that I might offer is, um, you know, whether you have more flexibility now being away from work or school, um, you know, because of, of everything with the virus, um, use this time to read scripture and in the process, let scripture read you. Uh, the church that my wife and I attended back when we were in, in Holland, Michigan, before we moved here is called Central Wesleyan Church. And the pastor there, uh, his name is Craig Rees. Uh, he's actually from Wales. Um, great guy. He, he said this in a sermon, uh, I don't know, probably a couple years ago, and it's always stuck with me and, and I think is appropriate for the point I'm trying to make here. What he said is this, quote, unprecedented access to the word, meaning the Bible, hasn't been matched uh, with an unprecedented obedience to the word, end quote. So, Suffice it to say, in today's society, we have technology out the wazoo. I mean, uh, if you want to learn about the Bible and about uh, faith, there, there's an abundance of resources online that are available so long as you have you know, Internet access. Um, now, of course, all of those resources aren't created equal. There are some, some places you should not go <laughs> to look for, for content or for questions to be answered, but, but there are many good resources. So, you know, there's Bible Gateway. You can go there and be able to, you know, look up scripture. You can even, you know, press the little button and, and have the audio versions of the Bible read to you. So while whether you're working out or you want to know how something is pronounced or uh, you just like the soothing sound of scripture being read to you and you may you maybe you're reading along at the same time. I mean, the point is just that there, there are resources like that available where you can go online and be able to read scripture and. Uh, you know, not necessarily have to have a physical Bible in front of you, even though I highly, highly, highly encourage uh, a physical copy. It's a good thing to have. Um, the point is just that as much as there are all these resources, there's the Bible Project, you know, where you can go online and see all these cool videos that these people have done to kind of explain, uh, you know, different uh, sort of concepts about faith and life and, and discipleship and, and all these kind of like hard things sometimes. Um, there's all these resources available 
um, to us to to engage in discipleship, to learn more about our faith and how to put it into action. Uh, but oftentimes we don't engage in it. So my point is is just this: uh, use this time again, whether you're away from work or you know uh, working at home or or you know have some maybe online classes, but have more time available for sure. Uh, being inside more than you probably have been before, use this time to actually read scripture. Um, you know, in my line of work, uh, scripture is really important, <laughs> really, really matters to me. Um, and, and I think it would for you too, if you're, if you're a Christian, but what I've found is that um, as I have ministered to young people that are, you know, 18 to you know 23 or so, but also as I've been a pastor in a church setting and, you know, you minister to folks that are 80 plus and folks that are in between and all that, um, it, it really doesn't matter what age people are. A lot of times people are, are in Christian circles. They're in Christian community. They, they, they're, they're faithful churchgoers perhaps, but they, they just really don't read the Bible. You know, they, they got soccer practice to take their kids to. Um, they have work, of course, which takes up a lot of time. They have, you know, marriage, which takes its own investment. Um, they're in school, you know, and so that's like their full-time gig if they're doing that. Um, they're just, they're navigating all these different things in the Bible for many people, even though they're, they're Christians really has kind of fallen to the wayside. So I, I would just use this time wisely to recalibrate, um, your relationship with God and really double down on, uh, reading his word again, so that his word can, can read you and set you on a, a different trajectory. Um, and I guess maybe last but not least, I mean, I could offer a lot of different things, but the last thing I would say is, Maybe spend time hanging out with God. And what I mean by that is uh, prayer. You know, um, if you pray or your, your idea of prayer is you just riddling off a bunch of requests to God and then you say amen, uh, you're actually not praying uh, because prayer speaks to a, a dialogue. It speaks to there being, you know, two or more parties, if you will, um, uh, having a conversation, so to speak. And so what I think sometimes I know in my own life, I, I, I've been guilty of for sure, is I want to I want to talk to God and, and say all these things that are on my heart, uh, which are good things to share. You know, none of them are surprises to God. I mean, God already knows, but just the, the practice of sharing and being vulnerable with God and voicing uh, your concerns is, is important. Your request is important, but it's been uh, hard sometimes to actually carve out time to then pass the mic, if you will, to God and say, okay, uh, your servant is now listening. And so I would encourage you uh, to, to carve out time to pray, uh, to, to definitely communicate with God. Hey, these are the things that are on my heart. These are the things that, that maybe keep me up at night. These are the things that, that are just, you know, pressing on uh, my soul at the moment. Um, these are some things I'm, I'm hoping for and wishing for. But, but also make sure that you give God the microphone and say, you know, God, I, I need for you to speak to me as well. Um, and he, he will do that as you read his word, his Holy Spirit will speak to you. He'll use other people sometimes. Um, I'll maybe conclude with this, uh, Lorraine Hansberry said this, she said, never be afraid to sit a little while and think. So if I could tell you, whoever's listening, go sit down somewhere in Jesus name, go sit down Stop trying to, you know, have some savior complex that you have some superpowers to save everything and everybody and, and make everything fit into this neat, nice box because you don't. Go sit down somewhere, spend
spend time with God, pray, uh, ask God to speak to you, and then actually carve out time for him to be able to do that. Um, and yeah, make sure that you uh, read your Bible, make sure that you are finding ways to serve other people, even as you observe social or physical distancing guidelines, and uh, watch and see what God does. Uh, let me just uh, end with something that is an important component for Christians for centuries now, and it's just the Lord's Prayer. It goes like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses, even as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Y'all have a great day on purpose.